And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast, now found on the Athletic app, I believe. I should double-check that as soon as we get done here, but uh, I think we're making our debut there, so excited to get onto the app and uh, get rolling with the regular season. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, who I think is recording like his 14th podcast this week, so thanks for squeezing <laughs> Just back-to-back ups today. We're banging this one out. Football uh, season, man. we got to get going here. we got all the... All the stuff to discuss. It's exciting, though. Yeah, how was it? Uh, how was it back at the big house with some fans in the building? I tell you, it was good. Like, um, actually, Brendan, yeah, Quinn, and I were talking about this. Like last year, and we talked about this a bunch on this show. The NFL fans really like got back to normal with football. I felt like very quickly with the like with NFL, like NFL Twitter, NFL fans is sort of like grace period they gave the teams and the coaches right last year. Uh, when they weren't there like that right. lasted yeah. like a quarter and it right. was over the college right. fans like they there was a longer grace period with a lot of people that like because i said this to him i was like all those times we were at college games where you had that thought like during covid of like what are we doing here like what what is happening like i'm like i think a lot of the college fans had similar experiences at home and so this weekend was like the first time in two years that everybody could like cut loose and not give a shit about anything else and just like have at it so it felt it was great because like the atmosphere felt exactly like it did you know two years ago and it didn't look like anything missed a beat so it was really cool to see cooler than i thought it would be actually there was you know, michigan stadium was full all the stadiums i saw um you know throughout the weekend looked pretty full too so it's great to see everybody again that was uh cool to see yeah it just makes such a uh, not, yeah, not that i'm does. saying anything uh yeah, too, right, exactly <laughs> too yeah, dramatic right. here but it makes such a difference especially like it, it's certainly fun with the fans at the NFL games, but college, like to take oh the fans God. away yeah. from college, you may as well not you have those do games. It. Yeah, it was just <laughs> like, it was, it was, it was like that. It was like, what are we even here for? Yeah, like, right. If no one can see this, so hey, it's all back now. So that's great. NFL this week. So excited. Yeah. So uh, Lions are uh, seven and a half point underdogs as we talk here on Tuesday night for the <laughs> opener against San Francisco. I am just about to turn in my picks for Week One. For our yeah. little like athletic a handful of us are doing picks uh, yeah. at the athletic. Am I nuts for thinking this could be one of the weird week one games? Wait, there's Good. always a couple. There's just like, what the hell happened there? And this feels kind of kind of ripe for it. The 49ers have had all this quarterback drama all, exactly. all summer. The Lions are at home. 49ers are making the trip. Uh, you get fans are gonna be the place is gonna be crazy in there, I'm sure. Crazy. Yeah. It just feels like one of those that either the Lions, you know, get like blown out in the second half or something strange happens. And they will have I, a I chance. don't know. Am I, am I You're not? I don't think because like all the things that San Francisco is going through, it's going to take, you know, a month. It's going to take a couple of weeks for those things to sort of sort themselves out. There's a lot of change there. Um, but at the same time, like you said, like the Lions are going to have a window in that first 
quarter where I would expect the building is going to be like uh, catching on fire. They're starting a new regime. Um, Everybody still loves Dan Campbell. You know, you still have that sort of like mojo going for you. And so, yes, I think that we talk about this all the time, right? Like what did it feel like for those of you who were in Ford field, the minute that um, Diggs picked off Sam Darnold in the first play of the Patricia era. Right. Like the building looked like a jet was going to take off in there. Like yep. there's a they didn't take advantage of that. They promptly squandered the opportunity, as we know. <laughs> right. And lost by 35. Right. Or whatever but like, I do think this there is a possibility, but it only happens if the Lions are in that. Like we'll we'll see. Right. Because I we haven't seen them out on the field now in like a week and a half, two weeks. So, you know, what they've done in these last two weeks, I guess, to sort of clean up all those things we know they need to clean up and get themselves to be competitive. Cause that's what it's going to take. They're going to have to be sort of as mistake free as you can get to have a chance against anybody. So, but yeah, stranger things have happened. I mean, they're going to have a cranked up crowd. I would be shocked if there's anything other than that. Yeah. I, and again, I, you know, I don't know how far that gets you, how far just having the home crowd gets yeah. you, especially after a year off. And this, like on paper, there's a lot of stuff about this matchup that is not good. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. This is a really right. good, uh, San Francisco had a really good pass rush. They've got some guys in the secondary that can make plays. You know, that that offense, I mean, that's probably what I'm most curious to see. I know everyone's going to talk about Goff and the Lions offense and Sewell and all that, but I'm most curious to see sort of where the progress is on defense because as Dan Campbell yeah. said this week, you know, this is an offense going to throw a lot of stuff at you, a lot of eye candy, I think was his mm-hmm. phrasing, you know, and they've got George Kittle, they've got, uh, Garoppolo, say what you will about Garoppolo, but he's an experienced guy at this point. They've got a bunch of like really dynamic pass catchers, deep running back group. Like this is, I mean, Trey Sermon was a guy, a lot of people in Detroit, I think thought maybe would wind up here, uh, yeah. in the draft draft. Like there's a lot to contend with there. And we don't really know what this defensive line is going to be. <laughs> we don't exactly. know what these linebackers are going to be. So maybe it looks great coming out. And maybe it is a disaster and San Francisco <laughs> rushes for 350 yards and we don't really know. But that's the thing. I mean, I think it's why it's an interesting start for them because and Campbell said it when he talked about how they have a bunch of different ways they can cut you and slice you. And when he's talking about that, they do so much on the edge, you know, with the, the jet motion and the sweeps and the outside zone stuff that a lot of their best hits are the misdirections off of that, the cutback lanes that come open and all the things they do offensively to take advantage of defenses that are, you know, frankly, just not playing disciplined football. Like this is going to be of all the tests they could have right out, of, right out of the gates here about where they're at, just from like a discipline standpoint and reading their keys and understanding, you know, what Aaron Glenn's teaching and all the concepts like this is one of the best ones they can go against because Shanahan's offense doesn't even have to, I mean, they have good players, but the beauty of this offense, I've always thought, is it doesn't have to have, you don't have to have like elite badass playmakers at every position to just make someone look completely foolish. Like this is one of those offenses. It's not, you know, the Navy air force thing that we see in college football, but in some ways it's like the modern 2021 version of the same thing conceptually. Like if you're not so locked in foundationally to like the basic concepts of everything that they've installed they are going to trick you. They're going to catch you. They're going to set you up, set you up, set you up, and then burn you. Like, that's the whole offense. So, for a young defense, this is like a terrific – they got the 49ers – it was a different era, but, like, this is a terrific time, I think, 
to get a test about where you're at if you're Aaron Glenn on the defense. Like just X's and O's, like our understanding of what we're trying to do. Forget all the other stuff. Just like where are we at from a I can trust that guy to go out there and not embarrass us by screwing up seven calls, right? Like this is going to really test that, I think, in ways that other teams maybe wouldn't as much. And I, I guess I will point out at this moment that the the last the the Saints and 49ers played a couple of years ago and the 49ers won that game. Uh it was just an epic game, 48-46. So I whatever Aaron yeah. Glenn, whatever the defense did for the Didn't Saints that, that day, day yeah, I think you right. throw it out. And that I mean, and I guess that's one of the concerns, you know, what what how's Aaron Glenn gonna react in some of those spots? Because you're putting him like this is the first time we're doing this with Aaron Glenn, you yeah. know, <laughs> like how and so um I asked Dan Campbell at his press conference the other day, you know, how much can a coaching staff close the gap if your team is, I was trying to phrase it without saying yeah, if your team right. looks terrible on paper, <laughs> you know, it doesn't look as competitive on paper. How much can a coaching staff close the gap? But um, I think he got what I was asking and he said, you know, I think they can close it quite a bit, but eventually like you have to have talent. Like you can't, you can only do so much if you don't have talented players. So I guess I'd put it to you. Uh, like even if this is the best coaching staff in the league, and I think we have a long way to go before yeah, we can yeah. throw them in that category, but like right. pie in the sky, this is the, this is a elite coaching staff and we find it out pretty quickly. How realistic is it that this team can be competitive just because, you know, Anthony Lynn keeps the 49ers off guard yeah, and, I mean, and Aaron Glenn makes the right halftime adjustments. Right. Like how far does that get you? It doesn't get you that far. I mean, it gets you farther than the average eye probably realizes. Like it gets you, it gets you a long way actually, um, and it keeps you in games. Like it, the the staffs here, I think right now, and their importance and their everything is to make sure that they are reasonably able to find ways to you know to keep building and staying in games and keep like because the only way you get better is sort of by learning from mistakes, correcting them and getting better the next week and, and, you know, moving into a positive direction and getting closer and closer and closer and then winning. That's how you learn how to win. So like, it's keeping you in, I think within shouting distance, because if you toss, like, this is how teams go. Oh, and 16, like if you toss a terrible roster onto the field with an inexperienced coaching staff, it is going to look like that Tampa Bay game did last year, 16 oh, straight times, God. right? Like that's what it's going to look like. It's going to look that like thing. two teams not playing in the same league. So what this staff is here to do, like, and it's a very important, like we talked about this, I think last week on the show, like, or maybe it was when we were talking about when they were going to make cuts in the defensive backfield, like you're relying on Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant to like kind of tell Dan Campbell, like, Hey, we got you on some of this. Like we don't worry about, the lag here on a guy like Amani or Warrior or Jerry Jacobs or one of these guys, like we'll make up for it. We'll make sure that he's not in, you know, the position that he's missing something or is forgetting something. We'll take care of those things and make sure that we triple check to where preparation isn't going to be the reason why this young player screws us, right? Like we like his talent. He's nowhere near ready to play. We're going to make sure he gets, you know, those things checked off to where he's in a reasonable position to make a play on Sundays and then we'll find out. Like, I think that's all you can ask for of these guys at this point, but like to, to just boil that all down to like very little is really reductive because it's not very little, but on the score sheet, it's going to amount to very little, you know what I mean? Like on the right. box score, it's going to amount to not much. It's going to be, well, you still lost by 13. Yeah. We still lost by 13, but like th- there may be some things in that game that 
happened that helps you in six weeks, right? Like they're at that point right now in their rebuild. And it's super important as we talk here, you know, a couple of days before they kick off, like people got to remember that, man. Like you've got to keep that in your, in your head here as you go. Like you can get upset and frustrated. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if we're six weeks into the season and golf is still doing some things that you're like, what the hell is he doing? Like, fair enough. But like, if you're still frustrated six weeks in that the run defense isn't quite shored up yet, like I got to tell you guys, like it might be a while, right? Like, so <laughs> Uh, yeah, they can do a lot to keep them in the fight, but like they're going to have to finish the fight themselves. And I think that's what Campbell was really saying. And it is, it is a very difficult question. And it's like Dan Campbell's staff more than any staff in the league is going to have to earn its money top to bottom, every single person. And that's why I think he targeted the guys that he did. Um, and that's yeah, why right. the impressions that we've got right of all the guys that we've got to know so far. Well, that that's what I'm curious. Cause you brought it up. Like even last year, as soon as something went wrong, NFL fans sort of slipped right back into yeah. everything <laughs> they normally did. Right. And so I'm kind of curious because this is a big That's so good. Yeah, like good this, this like eight months now, Lions fans, I think for the most part, have been trying okay. to talk themselves into being patient. Yeah. But as soon as you get to week one and it's sold out and you're out there in a real game. Right. I'm curious to see just what the reaction is if it is pretty clunky. And if it's clunky, especially for like if Okuda gets burned or if Sewell mm-hmm. gives up a sack early and like all these young guys that you're saying, well, we're going to build around these guys. These are the future. If it doesn't look great for those guys early on, are yeah. people just going to flip out? And I'm kind of curious to see yes. that because I think you're right. In a lot of ways, this is almost like like you're almost treating this like a like bring training for next season. <laughs> like, yeah. That's sort of where you're at. I think with this team, because people were asking me on Twitter, like they have uh, like almost $50 million in dead cap right now. They're, they've got like 16 or 17 million. They could carry over to next year. So like, you're starting to see all this stuff. Brad Holmes did to cleanse the roster of Bob Quinn's yeah. mistakes. You're starting to see it come into focus where the next year or two, they're going to have a bunch of money. They could have a ton of young guys in place. And like, it makes sense two, three years down the road. But like you said, you, you also don't want to go 17. You don't want to get embarrassed every week. You have to at least be competitive and see those steps forward from, especially the young guys. And so I I am curious, but again, like you said, this coaching staff not only has to be good in developing these guys, but I think if they are going to hang in games that, like they are going to have to out scheme teams yeah. oh, and yeah. make the right adjustments and all these little things that we sort of talk about in passing, but it's got to be legit because to go back to this matchup, I do think there, this is, again, this is a really good opportunity in week one. Like you've got a couple guys up front in a couple of those young guys, McNeil and Anzarike, we've talked about them a ton have looked really good. And then you've surrounded them with some vets that know what they're doing. Sounds like Brockers is going to play. You've got flowers and Romeo Okwara. Anzalone is going to be calling, uh, have the headset on, be calling the plays, Jamie Collins. Like you have a front seven that if everyone's doing their job, might be able to hold up for a little while, maybe the entire game. But right. again, I we don't know. And if like a couple things go wrong, that was that's really been the thing. And that especially in the Matt Patricia era, like exactly. you get one fumble and you may as well have just like gone home. Like <laughs> it was over. Guys just didn't have 
the fortitude. Well, that's, yeah, guys would just tip it. They would just be like, all right, we're done. And they would right. just, you know, it would be like. And that happened that first game. The first yeah, that Quandre right. Diggs big game. Like, right. A couple of things went wrong, and it was a 28-point deficit. And uh, so it's like, I look at it like this. There's almost like two seasons going on at once, right? There's your season that you're playing, and then there's like the health of the rebuild. The season, like that's like, a se- it's not separate, but they're like tied together. Like the health of the rebuild here. And when I say that, I mean like, and Chris, you just said at the top, like if all the rookies look like shit in the first game, we got a problem because like the health of the rebuild and where you're going has to maintain itself. And you have to continue to sort of build on that, right? Like all of the law, we've talked about this a lot, long-term and short-term decisions. All of those long-term decisions have to like continue to grow as the year moves forward. You can't take any steps backward in those areas or you're, you're entering territory that goes beyond, well, you got a bad record. We can get over that. Like people are going to be able to pass you and be okay with you having a tough record this year, I think, but they're not going to be okay with, and this is the lion's fan I'm talking about. They've seen enough over the years where they're not going to be okay. If you get nine weeks down the road, the record's bad. Golf doesn't look good. And all of these rookies are just like struggling to keep their head above water or even look like a functional player. Like that's when questions start to creep in, like about you got to get through this year before the fan base starts to question whether or not Brad Holmes can ID talent. Like, I think, I feel like that was the thing with Quinn where it was like right away. Right. It was like, how many days go by before like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's, you know, we don't trust anything about these selections he's making or whatever else. So as you go forward here, these rookies, they don't have to be perfect, but you know, you gotta, you gotta keep, you know, if you want to check off a box and say, we're not worried about that anymore, that has to maintain itself and it can't go backward to where we're like, well, maybe they have to cut that guy now and draft another player in his position. And those types of conversations, we all know what those are. Like if you, if they can limit those as best they can, I think people will be able to stand board. And, and I think that that is, uh, you know, sort of when, when you talked about players being happier this year, uh, I think some of that is just that this coaching staff isn't just like talking about, well, we got to, you know, we got to coach better. We got to play better. Like we got to fix things. It it's legitimate where if a guy messes up, they're not worried that they're going to get cut the next 24 hours, you know, like this coaching staff's trying to teach them and, and make sure that, like you said, it doesn't happen again. And they've talked about that over and over again. Like, how do you learn from the things you're doing wrong? Whereas I, I'm sure that was happening to some extent with the previous coaching staff because it always always does, uh, especially like on a positional level. But overall, like you knew if a guy was screwing up, uh, that was going to be it, right? <laughs> um, and so I, I think that that's been part of the culture shift too is just like this is legitimate attempts to teach, especially these young guys, how to play the game and how to fix these errors on the fly. And so – uh, that's certainly part of it. I mean, th- this is, I don't know. It's such a weird space to be in because everything, everything in my being is telling me this is going to be a pretty bad football team. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. And then I, I kind of think, and then I kind of take, uh, you know, dig down a little bit more and think, well, you know, like I said, maybe that, maybe the front seven's okay. And maybe the offensive line does pretty well and and they can create some things on offense and like they have these things that can keep them in games. Yeah. Um, and you kind of go from there. And that's what Dan Campbell said all along. Like, just get us to the fourth quarter with a chance and we'll see what happens. Like they're not right. talking about yes. you know, winning at all. 
They're and talking about just hanging in there. What's creeping in there, and I think the reason why you keep going back to that and telling your, well, maybe, you know, like the well, maybe part is that they don't have to go through this season with that, like, burden over their head of, like, well, God, if this doesn't work exactly how he right. said it was going to go in the first <laughs> yeah, series, exactly. this whole thing's going to hell. Like, that's not how they're going to play, you know? And, like, and it's also, like, it's not just that you're not going through, like, a Matt Patricia game plan and a Matt Patricia game week, but, like, you know, it gotten toxic. Like, it got to a point where, like, you know, I mean, one loss would turn into this, and then what's the point and everything else? And, I mean, the regime and the locker room and blah, blah, blah. And they don't have to have any of that anymore. I mean, like, they've worked so hard to be a team, you know, to build a team and a group that's sort of together. And and I think that, you know, Holmes talked about that a ton in his press conference uh, or with with Campbell and their joint deal there, um, which, you know, by the way, nobody does that. That's... <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to ask you about that. I mean, we can talk about that in a second. But like, he did mention it. Like, you know, he sees a different team than he saw on August first or whatever. Then he walks out there on August thirtieth, and it's it's come through elite teaching and the staff that Campbell put together. And that staff, and I go back to it again, is going to have to be like worth its weight in gold here for this team all year long because they're going to have to be able to keep the locker room in a good place to where you can block out all of the other stuff and just focus on whatever it is you need to focus on for that day. Like Campbell, somebody asked, I think I was listening to, maybe he was on the radio or maybe he was on um, something else. Maybe it was just the uh, thing he was talking about at a press conference the other day when he was talking about like, he was breaking it down by minute. Like we're going to have a walkthrough here at two and we need to go out there and stretch in 20 minutes and make sure we're stretched. Like that's a ridiculous way to plan your, or like to talk about every single day throughout the year, but that's kind of how they need to go about this. Right? Like, Every little thing needs to matter. Every victory needs to be celebrated. And every, like, bad thing needs to be, like, acknowledged and fixed. And I think that that's where they're at right now, where every single thing has to have its own, like, that we have to be able to acknowledge that this is happening, chart it down, and go forward. Because when you start skipping those steps is when you fall behind. And we know what happens when you fall behind early. You never you never get there. So... To the point earlier, like just get to the fourth quarter and have a chance. Like, yeah, that that should be their whole season. That's that's it. Just get yourself there. And like you said earlier, the staff has to have game plans that are logical and make sense. They have to be able to take advantage of the other side in ways that the other staff wasn't, right? Like give your guys help in ways that, you know, maybe some other staffs don't give their teams help. All those things have to happen. And that's just to be, you know, having a chance to win <laughs> to to win a game and and those are all the things that you have to keep in mind, I guess, when you're looking at this season, which is why it's a, it's a weird year. But, yeah, the, the positive thoughts are still there. But like you said, Chris, I mean, we know that they can go away pretty quickly here. But but I, I do think that people are willing to ride it out as long as you're Maybe. doing those things. I could be wrong, but I mean, I don't know. I, I guess think, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think a lot of it, like I said, comes down to the young guys. I mean, it would help if Jared Goff is – like yeah, viable God, as yeah. a quarterback. Uh, but I, I mean, I think that what you really want to see, uh, I'm guessing as a fan, is that you want to come out of this, at least especially the first like few weeks of the season, feeling like this is going to be a, a like a two or three year turnaround and not mm-hmm. just like an endless, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. we're doing the same thing every year. Like you need to feel like, this year is going to be clunky. By next year, you'll be in pretty good shape to hang it, like hang in the race for most of the year, and then the year after that, you're really in it. Like that, this right. is going to happen. 
And even that, like three years is a long time in the NFL, but that feels like it would be pretty rapid succession for this team to be like respectable this year, competitive next year, and like in it. Like, I think that that's kind of the goal. And so you want to feel like that's happening. And if you lose the first seven games by 25 points each, it's going to be hard to see that. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there's got to be some of those signs that it's happening. And I think it's interesting you mentioned, uh, you know, Campbell, like, having this all plotted out, you know, sort of by the minute. Uh, and I can't remember if I mentioned it on the show here or just like, I know I've said it in, in at least an interview or two elsewhere, but like that was a lot of like what he, when he explained why he hired Mark Brunel, mm-hmm. he said Mark Brunel came in for his interview and he, you know, he was like, all right, so if we lose on Sunday, here's everything I want yes. our quarterbacks to do for the next 24 hours. Okay, right. I want them to process the loss for 24 hours. So they need to do this, this, and this. Tuesday, I want to come in and start to the next game. So they got to do mm-hmm. this, this, and this. And it was everything. It was like, yeah. here's a, every, here's the 10 things you need to do every day after a loss or the 10 things you need to do every day after a win. And I think you're right. I think a lot of this is just going to be like the mental part of teaching, again, especially these young guys, how to just do this at this level. Yeah. Because there's so many guys. I mean, there's guys that have won. You've got Jamie Collins. You've got Goff, I guess, if you want to throw Guys that have lost, there. too. Right. Important to you've note. You've got a lot of guys uh, mm-hmm. that have lost. But you also have, like, if you're talking about these young guys, you either have rookies or you have guys who were in here for the Matt Patricia era and didn't win anything. And so yeah. you've got to figure out a way to sort of teach them how to, how to get better. Like, how, teach them how to improve in all facets. And I think that that yeah. is a lot of what we're going to see I think that's a lot of what we saw through camp, and it's a lot of what we probably will be looking for as the season goes on. And, and I would say, when I say guys that have lost, I mean the staff. You've got guys that have been through sure. the highs of the highs of the high and the lows of the lows. So, like, it's the best point of all is that the staff is so important because for where they're at, like Campbell's basically his whole staff. I mean, there's a couple guys maybe there'd be an exception based on experience, but like. 70% of Dan Campbell's staff could write a book about how to be an NFL football player. Like they could they could write a how-to manual for a rookie or whatever else about here's what you have to do to be a functional, successful, efficient NFL football player that survives, lasts, and is valuable enough that others will continue to want on their team. Like all those guys have done that. They've all experienced it. They've all found their own way. And so much of where they're at right now, and I'm glad you said that and, and kind of broke it down like that with the Brunel thing, is every single position has to go through that. Like all these guys have to go through those, like even some of the younger guys that we take it for granted with now, like a guy like Frank Ragnow, who's so talented and he's gotten so much better. Um, but like we look at Frank as an old guy now, but he's like, what, 25, 24? He's just so young. He's brand new in the league still. Like, there's still so much of that about, like, how to handle the ins and outs. And when you talk to former players who've done it as much as, like, Chris and I do, all they all all they ever come back to at the end is we just wanted a guy or person to understand that this is really fucking hard, man. Like, this is a lot <laughs> right. of work. Yeah, right. This is very difficult, and we just wanted someone at the end of the day who had our back out there that wasn't going to make us look stupid and had our back inside that knew what we were going through on a level to where we didn't have to explain it to them. And I think that if you can find someone 
who marries both of those things and you've really got something. And clearly the Lions think they have that with Campbell and his staff, but like that's what we'll have to wait and see is the other side of it. But I do think they have that part there about you're going to be able to go back inside after a tough one and you're going to be able to know that you're not going to have to explain yourself in a way that maybe you would have otherwise, right? Like the guy you're looking at at the front of the room is going to get it. Like he's going to be able to understand it. It's not going to be, you know, speaking a foreign language to someone and, you know, trying to explain what just happened out there or whatever. It's that sort of disconnect will not exist. And I think that we can say that here today with pretty firm confidence. And I, that's, that's a pretty big win, win I think, for the Lions because not a lot of teams have that. So we've got a couple things uh, coming up this week to preview the season. Uh, we're recording Tuesday, Thursday. We'll have um, something just kind of recapping everything we learned about this team over the past few months. And then uh, on Friday, uh, something about J- Jared Goff and, and sort of where this might go with, mm-hmm. with him and, and Brad Holmes. But uh, And I guess maybe I'll start there as we kind of transition into the sure. back half of the podcast with Holmes and Goff because – I don't know. It's a really interesting dynamic because it almost feels like Jared Goff needs this more than Brad Holmes does right away. He does, yeah. But again, this is another one where, like, if Goff is terrible, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how much (laughs) slack people are going to give Brad Holmes. So I I don't know. It's a really interesting dynamic that I I can't wait to see how it plays out (laughs) because we've been talking about it. Since the trade happened, and it's still, again, like, they went through camp, and I probably can count on one hand the number of, like, real live reps we saw with Goff, the entire offensive line, Hawkinson, Swift, Tyrell Williams, and whoever's starting on the other side. And if it's one of the new guys, we didn't see any of those snaps. So, like, you're going into week one. You're like, well, I, okay, I don't, I, again, I have no idea what this is going to, I mean, I have some yeah, idea right. what they want it to look like, what they're going to try exactly. to do, but I, I don't know where the ceiling is for this offense. I don't know where the floor is. Like anything could happen here. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that this is the important thing. Like all year we've talked about, you know, it's, it's, you can't judge this golf edition thing. You can't do it yet. You can't do it yet. You can't do it yet. Well, uh, at 1.01 p.m. on Sunday, <laughs> like, it changes. <laughs> Everything changes, and people's, like you said, Chris, Brad Holmes has been understandably so, uh, you know, complimentary of Jared Goff all offseason. You know, he's talked about how he has faith in him, trusts him, thinks he's good. If it didn't think he's good, we wouldn't have brought him here, all these things. Um, and I think that he can say all those things with a straight face, and people can look at him and say, I understand why you're saying all those things. I get it. If we get to the end of the year and he's had a really bad year and we're still hearing that, people aren't going to listen to it. You know what I mean? Like those that's the difference now. So people are going to be able to see it with their own eyes. There's no Houdini stuff in football at the NFL level. It, a quarterback's either playing well or he's not. There's no like, well, you know, he's a freshman or it was rainy out or that guy was <laughs> sick or whatever. That's gone. He's making $30 million a year. He was number one overall pick. Yeah, like right. it gets real simple now. So it really does. I think you said at the top, it is more important. It needs to be more important for Jared Goff than for Brad Holmes because Brad Holmes doesn't have to be married to Jared Goff long term for his job to be successful. And it doesn't, it, it's the opposite way for, for Goff. He needs this to work for him to be able to stay here. They're not anchored to the contract forever. They can get out of it. It doesn't have to be, you know, and again, they don't have to necessarily, if we want to be hypothetical here, 
They don't have to draft a quarterback next year. Don't have to. You could draft one the year after if you wanted. You probably would would like to if you're if you're going <laughs> to go forward in that gonna, direction. You're going to give us your week one uh, reactions to the starting quarterbacks. Well, we can save that for another time. But like to, to maintain that, you don't. There's not going to be necessarily a gun all the way to your head to do that. Yeah. But like if he's bad, there might be right. Like so, I mean, I think that that's part of the thing that we talk about all year. It's like where is he at? in relation to where you're at as a team, like the Rams are a great example of this. Like they built a really good football team around a quarterback and they got to a point last year where the football team outgrew the quarterback. And that's a disaster. That's a really bad scenario. That's where the bears I feel like are at most years where it's like, you don't want to ever be there. (laughs) And the lions are protecting against like, we don't want to build this really good team and then get there and have no quarterback. So that whole process of what you need to do with that conversation starts at one o'clock on Sunday, you know, I mean, like that's when it has to start. And that's when an honest evaluation of him has to begin. And everything that happened before with the Rams, you know, it really does need to be irrelevant because whatever happens here moving forward is, is how it needs to be judged. Right. And again, if you're looking at this as we probably should be a two, three year window, you need to figure out, like, if you're thinking next year, you want to be competitive, you want to be mm-hmm. in it till December. And Jared Goff goes out and throws 32 interceptions this year. <laughs> Right. You can't do it. You can't do it with him. And so yeah. what do you then what do you do? You know, then you're really in a hole. And I you know, again, I, I think that that's a lot of this a lot of the reason Jared Goff is here be is because they trust that he's not going to be that bad, I guess. <laughs> like they yeah. think he can at least keep this together and and keep them in games. But uh, I guess I lied. Maybe I do know where the floor is. Like the floor is that he's this is a disaster, yeah. <laughs> and, and by week like five, you're like, uh, let me. We should see what David Blau can do yeah, in there, right. and and then you know you like you said. I don't. I think the one thing that they want to try to avoid is just, and this is true for all all NFL teams really. Like you want to go into the off season without feeling desperate. And sometimes yes. it happens at quarterback and you end up like you can't avoid it. The The draft is the way like 90 percent of the time, the draft is the way to find a court franchise quarterback. Uh, right. Sometimes the Stafford trades happen or uh, a guy hits free agency. But most of the time you need to go through the draft to do that. So I guess that's kind of the exception to the rule. But you don't want to go into the offseason feeling like, oh, we have to take a quarterback no choice. Yeah, at, in right. the top five. That's. The nightmare scenario, and I think that's why Jared Goff is here because he prevented them from having to do that this year, mm-hmm. and in theory could prevent them from having to do it <laughs> next year, and maybe is okay here. But yeah, he's like he he's walking that thin line between sort of reviving his career and taking the reins on this rebuild and trying to make himself a part of it and becoming like. You mentioned the Bears becoming like Trubisky or one of mm-hmm. those guys where he's just trying to latch on and get a shot somewhere. And there's not a whole lot of uh, gap between those two areas in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Jared Goff's trying to save his career, right? I mean, like, that's the bottom line here. So you're – we find out, I think, in these situations pretty quick, you know, what's what's there with a the guy, what's not there with a the guy. And obviously with Goff, you know, and I think someone asked – uh, Holmes about that uh, when we talked last week about you know what's the fairness level of the judgment process here and you know Holmes was like we can judge him I you know 
this is the situation that he came, you know, came into. We knew what it was when we come in. Like we know exactly what we expect of him. And I think it's a fair, you know, it'll be a fair process and we'll judge it fairly and everything else. So yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the 1000% giant unanswered question still standing there in the room. And the thing of it is, is the lions have gone all this way. And when I say the lions, I mean that, you know, Holmes and Campbell, the two, you know, kind of leaders of this entire thing, have gotten to this point by building a, a foundation on honesty and we're not going to lie to anybody and we're not going to, you know, look the truth in the eye and try to find something else. Um, and that has to include Jared Goff. And it, you, you're you not going to get eight weeks down the, down the way with a quarterback who's struggling and be able to tell your locker room that he's not struggling. You can't lie to your locker room about it. So like, that's the other part of that conversation that has to come in too. Like Goff, this has to be a massive, this should be the most important week of his life. I mean, like he's trying to save his career. Yeah. He was deemed a bust by Sean McVay and he was traded. That's what happened. And the Lions spent time trying to massage that publicly and with some PR things and blah, blah, blah. No one else is going to look at this objectively as anything other than Jared Goff was looked at by a Super Bowl contender as not being good enough anymore and was thrown into the trash heap uh, and picked up by a team, the most des- the most whatever, we have nothing to lose team in the league. That's what the situation is. That's what everyone sees. Goff can change that by going out and changing it. And I think that if he looks at it like that and has whatever inside of him, then maybe, maybe you find something that surprises others. But if he doesn't, I think we'll find that out pretty quickly here, right? And the confidence thing, all those things that we that go into the factor in, into that conversation. We, we probably won't have to wait too long to see where he's at. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. 
Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So the other thing you brought up that I thought was really interesting is you just kind of mentioned it in passing a few minutes ago, but the Holmes-Campbell press conference, <laughs> the joint press conference uh, last the first week one in history of the where they brought him out, sat him down at the table in front of the, you know, the Lions backdrop and had him answer. Mm-hmm. It was mostly Holmes questions for Holmes because we don't talk yeah. to him as much, but um, had them answer questions together. And yeah, like you said, I mean, there are some really good coach GM relationships in this league. Mm-hmm. I I have not been at a press conference like that personally, and I don't no. know how many of them have happened. And <laughs> and especially, like, you know, the last regime didn't – Bob Quinn didn't talk once the season Never. started. I mean, he did – occasionally would do something with, like, just the small group of beat reporters towards the end of the preseason, but that was it. He didn't do press conferences in between, like – man i can't even remember like it was like the end of the draft up through the end of the year there were like six months where he just let matt patricia do all the press conferences and right and so this is another one that gets back to this dynamic of the coaching staff and this dynamic of the front office and i don't and as i started the show i was saying i don't you know maybe this team could be better than I I keep telling myself they're going to be. And maybe this front office and this setup is like kind of on the cutting edge of how this it could go. Be. I mean, it's really a unique situation here because they keep talking about collaboration. They keep talking about how well everyone gets along. And that's another thing I want to see. I mean, are we is is that going to hold up if this isn't going well? Exactly. <laughs> is there a breaking point here or is this just always have this kind of honeymoon phase. Well, that's what it is because it's this idealistic, it's the ultimate so simple it just might work situation where it's like, what would happen if you just took an entire (laughs) building of football intel and said, hey, all of you work on the same page. None of you try to cut each other's throats. None of you try to screw each other out of a job. None of you try to do, you right? It's like a social experiment. Everybody just take your ego out and do your job and we'll look up at the end and we'll have a product that we're all proud of. Always easier said than done, right? Like, usually impossible. Like, I mean, never something that usually gets very far before a disaster happens and you've got to fix it. But, like, to this point, they're they're all willing to take the ride. And I think that, that they, they've gotten farther with it than most do because they hired two people at these point positions in Holmes and Campbell, who I think are both, like, in very similar spots. Like, Campbell has been sort of planning for this off the radar for years. He's been like growing as a coach and, you know, putting himself in different positions as a coach and challenging himself and all these things kind of quietly uh, and off the, you know, Dan Campbell was never anybody on any hot list, you know, every year that a coaching thing would come up. It was never, I mean, this year, I guess he was on a couple, but like in Holmes. Kind of, was, like sort of this yeah, year. Yeah, but not really, right. <laughs> right. Like in Holmes, really. I think is, is pretty similar, right? Like he was a, he was a college scout on a West Coast franchise living in Atlanta. Like he wasn't even he wasn't even in the same time zone as his team. And he wasn't like on are, the Lions initial list. Like no, that, that like was the story with him. These he wasn't even are on the list. True egoless career grinders. Like you can't talk to anybody that knows these people and come up with a different story or a different vibe. 
And Chris and I have talked to enough football people over our lives to know when someone's bullshitting you and someone's not. Like, people may be bullshitting us about Campbell and Holmes, but, like, the the one thing that threads all the way through is, like, these guys are just, like, obsessed with obsessed with good football and they know what it takes and they just want it to work. And like, they don't have enough cachet on their own to look at anybody else in a room and be like, get the hell out of here. This is my call. You know what I mean? Like, and they're both self-aware, I think, or they both seem to be that it gives them a chance to make this work. And like, and like, that's the question we always ask, right? Like how long does it go until, you know, cause Campbell joked about that before they had the cuts. Like, you know, we're going to meet with the staff at 930. We're going to have lunch. And then me and Brad are going to go have an arm wrestle match and figure it out. Like, he was joking. But, like, you know, Probably. the thing that everybody brings up, right? Like, maybe someday you guys are going to have an actual arm wrestling match. And, you know, is that going to be okay? And you're going to have to cross that bridge when you get there. And is that going to throw a wrench into this? But we don't know that question, the answer to that question. But all we know is is that, you know, they've, they've got the right people, I think, to give it a shot. Uh, and ultimately life is going to get in the way and, you know, we're going to have to see if they can kind of roll with the punches because the stuff like the golf thing is, is the big one where it's like, they've said all these things all year. Well, what if these things that you're talking about, how you think Jared Goff's this great quarterback suddenly is proven to be not true, then you're going to have to come up with a different plan. So yeah, they're gonna have to stay honest, but sometimes honesty is going to be really difficult in this environment and everyone's going to have to kind of be adult enough to take it. And that's going to be the ultimate test of whether or not it works. Yeah. I mean, in- inevitably, NFL franchises, even the good ones that are successful all the time, reach a point where the the GM just – there's, there's a yeah. fork, in the, fork in the road and the GM has to – you know, he's doing his thing on one side and the coach yeah. is doing his thing on the other side and you hope those roads run parallel to each other. But, right. you know, if this is really what it's going to be forever here where they do everything sort of in lockstep and all the coaches are getting along and, like, again, this is a super unique setup that it, it is. if it goes well – that you you know you're you're doing something that maybe makes other organizations reevaluate how they've gone about their hiring processes before and and how they've set up their front yeah. offices. But how have they set it up? I think that's what it is. It's like yeah, what you're looking for, what traits are you looking for when you're bringing in football people into your organization? Is it are you just looking for like well he was at a place where they drafted pretty well and uh, you right. know. He, uh, he was with the Chiefs and they drafted Mahomes, so he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, or, right. you know, like, well, I mean, are you are you looking for a career ladder climber? Or are you looking for a guy that worked in Atlanta and nobody knew who he was? And, oh, by the way, the Rams had an awesome draft. And who's that guy that lives in Atlanta? Maybe he's pretty good. We should talk to him. And then you figure out, like, yeah, he's just a guy that will do whatever. And I think that that's the type of people that you're looking for. You just can't bring anybody in here, right? especially right now, that is in any way selfish. And I think that's been the thing that we we've both noticed that, from the staff is that like, it's the most unselfish group of people that it's that you could, I mean, and that's hard to do in football is to find unselfish people in football and and put them in a room. And there's some ties that bind these guys together, I think, but a lot of it is just like, they're a bunch of former players who believe in the game being played kind of the right way. And that's what they want to teach. And so far, you know, it's been good vibes. And I think so so much about it is protecting that as you go forward here. Well, so the cynics, who have very much earned their ground in Detroit would say, (laughs) what are the odds that it goes right for the lions? You know, you've got, as you just said, you, Brad Holmes was, I mean, I think we can say Brad Holmes is a, has did a terrific job in LA 
certainly mm-hmm. knows his stuff. He worked Absolutely. his way, like you said, worked his way up. Everyone yep. speaks very highly of him. And he wasn't, the Lions found him because Mike Disner was looking at like mock interviews on the NFL site. He wasn't on their initial list. He wasn't mm-hmm. really, he hadn't really surfaced for trying maybe to find but some different, one or exactly. two other jobs that were open. Dan Campbell said, uh, he had his agent call the Lions and then joked in his introductory press conference that he wasn't Matt Campbell. And the Lions certainly had some interest in Matt Campbell. And so, you know, you're starting to look and say, well, did other people, did other teams really not want these guys? Did the Lions Dan Campbell just pull was stuff walking over? on glass to get the Lions job. He was telling people. Well, that's what I mean, though. Behind the scenes, not just this year. I think well, that yeah, that's the thing right. to remember. Like Campbell had been telling people in his like circle, which is big, by the way, for years. Like, if I could just get that job, you guys have no idea. If you could win in Detroit, you guys haven't been there. I've seen it. You know, all this stuff, right? And other people have said that too. But like, how many times, Chris, have we heard a prospective coach be like, "Give me the Lions job. Just get me in yeah, front of Sheila right. Ford. I need to talk to her." <laughs> what? Like, we don't hear these things. So, like, these are different. Yeah, these are, it just, it has felt different. I think that you're justified in thinking that. But the cynics, yes, are always waiting around the other corner. I'm I know just why saying, we always get a little, yeah. Just right. saying. Yeah, there's, I, I don't know that you're going to get the cynics to go away. And you also no, look no, at that no, staff no. and you've got a bunch of guys there who, like, and I think this is why they're here. Dan Campbell knows and understands sort of the road up. But you also have guys here that, like Aubrey Pleasant probably wants to be a D coordinator Absolutely. and I'm sure Aaron Glenn wants to be a head coach. And so yep. you've got all these guys that uh, are trying to use this as a stepping stone to something else. You know, I don't think Anthony Lynn wants to be the Lions offensive coordinator no. for the rest of his life. Maybe he does. I mean, I think he probably likes not. Detroit, but I don't think that's what he wants to do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're kind of juggling all these things. And right now it's in this perfect harmony, this perfect balance. And and just like the roster and the fan base, you know, what's going to happen the first time something really goes wrong? You know, who's... Yeah, right. And not like Brashad Perriman wrong. What's going to exactly, happen yes. if Jared Goff is awful or if right. this team gets outcoached horribly? Like if they what? blow a call. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right, right. If they blow, if there's a, uh, Anthony Lynn clock management issues show up right. with Dan Campbell, like what happens when some of that stuff starts going wrong? Uh, and I, you know, and how I, do you react to every one of them? Right. Right. Like that's the thing uh, that people will be watching for. Like, what are your reactions? You know, do these things continue to creep up? Like eventually trends become, you know, bad trends, all these types of things and these cracks that come in. But like, you know, they do have something here and what they have is right now and it's valuable and it's hard to get. It's you have the underdog uh, being coached by the lovable underdog. So you've got <laughs> an underdog being yeah. run by this guy that people like. People, you know, Dan Campbell has this like magnetic thing about him that if you're in a room with him or if you're, if you see him in an airport, some, you know, and ask him for a picture, he's going to give you like a headlock and like whatever. Like that's Dan Campbell. (laughs) Like he's one of these type of guys that people want to cheer for. So you have some of that there that is, I don't know if it was intentional because I don't think you can create that intentionally, but they, they did get a little of that organic juice that like Campbell has projected this, like, I'm in this with you guys, like, to the fans. Like, I'm one of you. Like, you, people saw how nervous he was or whatever before he got to talk to the fans at Fort Field that day and how genuine, like, that moment was. Like, he was pacing up and down and how much that meant to him. Like, all these things. And you're going to be able to see that, too. I think that 
when fans look, when fans see how the locker room treats, because there'll be cameras in there. Whenever his first win is, and fans see oh, how yeah. the locker room treats Dan Campbell, like the whole, there will not be anyone questioning whether or not you know they they want this guy to succeed after whatever that scene is unfolds. Because I mean, we can people remember you remember when people would talk about that during the early part of Patricia. Is anyone even going to clap? You know, in there if he wins a game, right? Like. It's going to be mayhem in there when they win a game, right? Like, they love this guy already. So, like, those are things that are impossible to ignore, and not everybody has that. And I think that that is something here that is a little unique. And it is something that you hear from these these players that are like, you know, we don't always get this from coaches that kind of see it both ways. And it makes you want to fight a little harder maybe for those guys too. So there could be something about this team. I mean, they're probably not going to be good, but there might be something about them that, you know, sticks in there with people if they can endear themselves one way or the other, and I think that they have a chance to at least do that. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. I do think Dan Campbell's willingness to accept the history of this team, and not just accept it, but embrace it, embrace is it. huge. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And that's something that Matt Patricia had wanted nothing to do yeah. with, other than just right. like the general history of the franchise and the fact that it's been in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, like right. he didn't they played football here for did 50 not years. want yeah, right. to deal with <laughs> You know, the same old Lions talk and the, the the curses and all that sort of thing. And Dan Campbell knows, knows. Mm-hmm. Dan Campbell knows. So and I think oh, yeah. he yeah. is willing to, to, to throw his arms around it and say, I understand. I've been there. I'm going to help you through it. Um, it's a little college It feels a little college yeah, because... Right. Well, you've used the Brady Hope comparison. Yeah, it, it does remind me of that. He reminds me of... In, in, in the good ways, I should say, you know, and Brady, it was a double conversation there because he was the classic, you know, players coach, as they say. Right. And Brady was soft on those guys. He just was. He was he was he he got to a point where the, the, the little things that people could get away with, they took advantage of them. And over time, those things added up and you saw the cracks and blah, blah, blah. And that's always what happens with the players coach. And that's what Campbell will have to guard against. But all the things that gets you to a point of, boy, I wouldn't want to play his team when they're up against it because he doesn't have to do much to get those guys to run through wall for him. Like, and that was Brady Hoke. Like people always talked about that with Hoke, not to get on a Michigan tangent here, but (laughs) they always played urban's teams relatively tough. And they always had no business doing that because they would be like, we got to get this together for Brady, for the love of God. We can't get embarrassed because if we get embarrassed, Brady's going to like want to die. We can't have that. Right. Like that's and it's one of those type of things. You talk to the guys that played for him. It was always about he was so much about them that their whole thing at the end of the day was we want to win for him more than you want to win for yourself. And like the equation, the, the, the quotient there, whatever needs to be a little more even, I guess, as you go through it. But like. That's the thing I think Dan Campbell has, and I think some of his staff has that too. Like, you can hear about how Jeff Okuda talks about Aaron Glenn already. It's like, I don't want to let him down. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to come over here and have him look at me like, you know, man, I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't want that. Like, and, and that's something that you see a lot in college in a good way. And I think Campbell and his staff have a little bit of that, maybe not all the way yet. And it's harder in the NFL, but it seems to be budding. And I think that that's a good thing. All right. Well, let's, uh, Let's call it a show there. Uh, I, I guess we, if you have any parting shots here, do you, I mean, do you, you think I they're, have no record predictions. You I think no they're idea. in it. You think they can hang with the 49ers for a little while at least. I mean, I think that, I think that it can be a game for a, for a while. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think it's an NFL game and I think that they have a chance 
to manage the sideline, keep themselves out of disaster spots, and keep themselves in it. But, you know, I don't have any visions that it's going to be a work of art or anything like crazy. My whole thing is like, I really want to see where they're at in game one. And then I want to see where they're at in the last game of September. Right. And then I want to go see where they're at at like the end of October. Like those are the, those are the spots that I kind of want to, and everything after that is really just impossible to predict because of injuries and everything else. But like, where are you at on Sunday? Then where are you at five games in? And then where, where are you at at the end of like month two? Like, I want to see where the growth is with the rookies and the young guys and golf and all those things in that first like eight games, like where are they at at the, at the middle of the season? And then I think we'll have a really good idea of maybe, you know, where they need to go in terms of adding with all that money that we've talked about or draft picks or everything else. But as they start here, it's going to be like, you know, you etch it in there. Okay. That's where they were on day one. Now let's see where they're at on day 20 and day 40. And, and as they go, and now we'll be able to really start to see gains and losses, you know, sort of as they go, which both are going to happen. And I think that's important to bring up as well. So much of what we've talked about to this point and people get on us, they're like, you guys are nothing but positive. You're not negative enough for us or whatever. And it's like, well, they haven't played a game yet, guys. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're going to play at some point here and the, and the conversation will change. So it'll be, you know, what's the health of everything as they go forward. And that's kind of what we'll be watching. I feel like the podcast got pretty negative last year. It did. We it, hey, this has been a this has been a happy go lucky <laughs> right. year. That's nothing wrong with that. People are in good spirits. I might pick them this I week just be to be the only. I might <laughs> pick them just to be the only one who does it. <laughs> Lions won. Forty uh, ers nothing. Just like, <laughs> for when they win. If they win, you know they send out the the tweet on social media like <laughs> highlighting how everyone picked the Forty ers and right. then I can swoop Except in you. and be like, hey. <laughs> Come on. I knew, I knew something. <laughs> that damn gamble. Uh, maybe. Maybe I'll take a shot for week one. Uh, all right. So we'll be back uh, next Tuesday for our now regularly scheduled show after week one and talk about what happened at Ford Field against the 49ers and set up the uh, week two trip for the Monday Nighter in Lambeau, uh, which is always always oh, yeah. interesting to go there. <laughs> we'll see where the Lions are at after this opener and how everyone's feeling. feeling. Um, so you can get us... Uh, on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, all those spots. Rate us, review us, subscribe. You also uh, should be able to get this episode, if not immediately, um, by the end of this week on The Athletic uh, app, yes. as we've promised. And moving forward, the rest rest of our shows now will be there as well. So you can uh, check in, read our stuff, and then pop over and listen to the podcast while you're there. So that... Uh, We've been looking forward to that and happy to get that going. Thanks to our producer, Kent Garrison, for hooking us up there. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to break it all down. So for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.